This episode is sponsored by Safety, a violence prevention app that could save your life. Now, I want to be very clear that no app is a silver bullet and in a violent situation, you might freeze, your nervous system might take over, or you might really love your attacker and not feel like you could push a panic button. There are many types of responses that you might have when experiencing violence. However, you want to have the option to be able to panic if you need to. And what do I mean by that? So the Safety app has a panic button that you can press and it will immediately start taking photos of your selfie camera and your back camera, collect your GPS and audio and send that data to three emergency contacts. To download the Safety app onto your phone is completely free if you are just using the panic button and you can try out some of their other features for 28 days as well. It's on Apple and Android and the links to do so are in the show notes for this podcast episode. Once again, I want to say a big thank you to our friends at Safety. Hello, this is the Fight Back Podcast hosted by exercise scientist Georgia Berry. Here, you'll find a series of honest conversations about martial arts and mental health. My guests and I explore the statement that every martial artist has heard. Martial arts saved me. How and why do combat sports save people? Listen to find out. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Fight Back Podcast. Today, you are going to be with me by myself. That's right. This is another solo episode. And today, I'm going to be talking about one of my favorite topics, which is interoception. Before I get into talking about it, if content like this, so content about neuroscience and about trauma-informed practices is one of the main reasons why you're here at this podcast, you are definitely going to want to check out the link in the show notes to a free webinar that I'm running next month about helping trauma survivors in martial arts. I'm not going to talk too much about it on this episode, so click the link for more information, especially if you enjoy the content from this episode and similar episodes. Okay, so today, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about what interoception is, what interoception is. We're going to talk about how it relates to PTSD. We're going to talk about why you should care about this as a topic, as it relates to you as a martial arts martial arts coach, as a martial arts student, as a person who might have experienced trauma, or as a person with friends and family that might have experienced trauma. And finally, I'm going to share how I integrate this information into the programs that I run at the Fight Back Project, because interoception for me, is one of the key things that makes my program trauma-informed, and it's one of the key differences between kickboxing with me and kickboxing at a regular gym. Okay, so what is interoception? When we talk about senses, as in sight, smell, taste, you know, the list goes on, there's a sixth, there's a sixth sense which is called interoception. And what it is, is our ability to perceive our internal environment and bring that to our awareness. So it's easiest to explain with examples. 
Right now, you are sitting in a chair or maybe you're standing up or you're walking around listening to this podcast. Whatever you are doing, you can feel some kind of contact with another surface. I highly doubt that you are listening to this while levitating. And so you can probably feel the floor that your feet are touching. You might feel the chair that your butt and your lower back are touching. You might be lying down on a bed and therefore feel contact with the whole of your lower back or your back, your head, your legs, you know, your whole body basically against a bed. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, you probably have contact with something. And like I said, if you're levitating, well, then you can press your palms together as if you're going to pray. And now you can feel contact of your palms against each other. And the reason why you can feel that is because there are many, many receptors within your body that sense things like temperature, like pressure, like chemistry, that relay that information back to your brain. And your brain then sometimes decides to bring that into your conscious awareness. And that sometimes part is really, really important here. So you can be walking and be thinking about what you're going to eat in 30 minutes time and therefore be much less aware that your feet are touching the floor. Part of you subconsciously knows that you're touching the floor, but you are not bringing that to your forefront of awareness, to your conscious awareness. And your brain brain and body, they work together to do that for you so that you're not bombarded with an overload of information. It would be super overwhelming to be trying to concentrate on work and being super aware of the chair that you're sitting in and also being super aware that you are like maybe feeling hungry. So you feel a pang of hunger in your stomach, you know, and at the same time being very aware of the temperature. We selectively filter out this information so that we can focus on other things so that we can daydream and also so that we can focus on tasks at hand, which is what we're doing a lot of the time, which means that interoception tends to fall by the wayside apart from when we deliberately try to engage the system and when the system is necessary to be in the front of our awareness. So for example, you can ignore the fact that you're hungry up until a certain point where the hunger pangs, the lack of pressure in your stomach and also chemoreceptors, so the chemical receptors in your body noticing a severe drop in blood glucose will start to raise alarm bells to say, eat something right now, I'm starving. And at that point, it will become very difficult for you to ignore those internal sensations of your body. And so that is interoception. It's a big umbrella term for all of the different things that we can feel consciously within ourselves. So keep that in mind as we're talking about this whole conversation. It's really important to realize that we're not constantly interocepting everything. It is very selective and it only really becomes interoception when it is raised to our consciousness not just to our subconscious and our brain working on things to to be doing in the background. Okay, so that is interoception. Now, why should you care about interoception? Why is it so interesting and why am I so passionate about it? So the reason is, is that it's not as simple as saying that feel your feet on the floor and you're going to feel your feet on the floor for everybody. This is really important. If you don't practice being aware of your body, you will experience it less. Regardless of whether or not you've experienced trauma, you will be less present. 
This is the big argument for meditation is that if you practice sensing your body in space, feeling your feet on the floor, following your breath, doing anything that kind of resembles something like this, then day to day, you will be able to put more space between an event and a reaction. So, for example, if you are well-practiced at interoception, someone might say something that makes you feel mad. Okay, it doesn't matter whether it's valid for them to have said that or it's not valid or true or not. Most people, when someone says something to them that makes them feel upset or sad, they're going to have a physiological response. For example, your heart rate might go up or you might feel that your breathing kind of changes or you get this like kind of feeling in the pit of your stomach. Maybe like that's quite specific to me. Right, that everybody will experience different emotions physiologically differently. If you have practiced at interoception, you will notice that physiological sensation before your brain embodies that emotion as fact and then reacts. And so what I mean by that is the order of events, they are very quick, but if we separate them out, the order of events would go, person says thing that makes you mad, Body has a physiological response. Brain decides that physiological response equals an emotion. Out of that emotional state decides an action to take. And the action in response might be to say something back. Or it might be to throw something at the wall. Or it might be to run away. Whatever. It doesn't matter. What is important is, is that the physiological response, the body change, the heart rate going up, the breathing changing, the feeling in the pit of your stomach, that's first. And if you can recognize that feeling, notice that feeling before you assign an emotion to it, that's where you can start to put space between your emotions and thoughts, and you can choose how you want to react. Now, you might decide, this is the 50th time that this person has said something to me. I've tried being nice. I've tried doing this. I've tried doing that. Now, I actually do want to throw a chair at them. Fair enough. That's up to you. But you want to be able to make a conscious decision about why and when to act. If you can interocept, you can sense how your body's feeling, you can make a decision and then respond rather than just blindly responding based on your emotions kind of controlling you. Okay, and that's a really important skill for everyone to have. We all interact with people and we have all done and said things in arguments that we didn't want to. So more interoceptive awareness helps with us dealing with these kind of day-to-day interactions we have with people. Now, that's one example of how interoception serves us. There are lots of examples of things like that. And it might not be you reacting to someone. It might be you internalizing thoughts. Right, something happens and then that same cascade that I just explained goes through and you start thinking really negative things about yourself and then believing those negative things about yourself. If you can't practice interoception, it becomes very difficult to be able to separate out the physiological response from the emotion that comes after because you can't feel it. Okay, so we've got interoception, which is this awareness of what is happening physically inside our body. That can be contact with things. It can be changes in chemistry. It can be changes in pressure, lots of different types of sensations, but they're all information about our internal environment that gets fed to our brain. When we can pay attention 
to these differences in our internal environment, we have the opportunity to act and make a different choice about how we go about the rest of our day, whether that be how we talk to ourselves, talk to other people or any other action. Now, when you have experienced a traumatic event that has caused a change in the way that your homeostatic state, your default state, your day-to-day is in response to that traumatic event, right? Trauma is not what happens to us. It's how our bodies change in response to that event. Now, one adaptation to traumatic events is to disconnect from the body because you no longer believe that your body is a safe place and it is easier to completely numb than to experience the pain. This makes perfect, perfect sense as a response. The problem with it is, is that you cannot selectively numb your body. You cannot say, I'm going to not feel the pain when this maybe ongoing trauma happens to me, or it's too much, I can't stop remembering the trauma, I'm going to numb while I remember the trauma, but then during all the good things in my life, when I'm feeling hungry, when I'm sitting on the chair, I'm going to disengage from that numbness and I'm going to feel everything again. It's a blanket rule. If you've start, if you've started to what we call dissociate from your body, if you've separated yourself from your body and your body has started not feeding this information back to your brain, or rather what I should say actually is your body feeds the information to the brain and then your brain chooses to keep it from you, to hide that information from you. That's an all or nothing kind of thing. And it is far more common than people realize. And I think we really take for granted when we say things in martial arts like, you know, feel for where the person's belt is if you reach around, right, in jiu-jitsu or in Muay Thai. As soon as you feel a touch against your glove of the person, you're going to fire back immediately. We have so many cues that are related to touch and it is important to be aware that a lot of people actually don't feel anything when we think about the sensation of touch because their brain isn't passing that information onto them they have blanket numbed everything in order to survive thank you very much brain for doing that right and what we can say you've saved me like i wouldn't be where i am without that But now it's becoming to a point where there are things that I do want to feel and I can't. And so that's where learning interoception for some people is really important. It's not just that they don't practice it often and therefore they're not putting little moments of interoception in between hearing a a stimulus or a trigger and then reacting. It's actually that even if they stop and try to feel something, they don't feel anything. So as a coach, as a martial arts coach, this is something to be aware of. This is not going to affect everybody in your club and some of the people who it affects might tell you and some will not. But be aware that this is a phenomenon that is much more common than I think people realize is that your students might not feel touch. They might not feel sensations. And you can think about all of the implications that that might have. They might not tap right? They might not feel that their arm is about to snap in an armbar. They might not physically be there. While they're hitting pads, they might float away essentially and leave their body, maybe watching it from the roof 
or maybe they've just completely blacked out, but they seem like they're still there. At that point, they're incredibly prone to injury because they're not aware of how hard they're pushing their body, right? So having an awareness of that somebody might be kind of like quote unquote zoned out in your class means they don't feel anything in their body and you might need to help them step into their body. We're going to talk about that in a bit. Okay. The other end of the spectrum with interoception is you can be hypersensitive to interoceptive sensations. What that could look like is, you know, someone touches you and it brings up a huge, overwhelming flood of emotion relative to a past trauma. Anything that kind of resembles the touch that was similar to the trauma, or it could be like a, another blanket response where any, any physical contact that you might have might trigger the trauma or trigger your brain to remember the trauma and make it feel very much like the trauma is happening right now. It can also be linked to breathing. So breathing in and noticing that your lungs expand can remind you of like stressful breathing in as in a flight or fight kind of response where your physiology has changed because you're preparing for threat. Breathing can cause an overwhelming amount of interoception, which can then lead to an overwhelm of emotions and physiological changes in response to that perceived threat through interoception. And this we call hyperarousal, right? What I was describing before about being disconnected fits into a broader category, which is called hypoarousal, low arousal where you've kind of numbed. Hyperarousal related to interoception can mean that you are incredibly sensitive to sensing things from within your body. And that could be anywhere from a martial arts perspective, from um, somebody choking you and the feeling of someone choking you feels like super, super overwhelming and all of a sudden you need to like thrash and get out and and your training partner might just think that you are thrashing to try and get out of the chokehold because you're not actually tapping and keep holding on the chokehold, you know, as just one example of not being aware of, of what this might be. And so practicing interoception is really, really important for both ends of the spectrum. If you are completely numb you can start with really small things like can you feel your feet on the floor when you're in a state where you're completely relaxed and there's no one around you giving you additional sensory input and it's just you, you know, and then can you rub your hands together? Can you wiggle your fingers and toes and be aware that your fingers and toes are wiggling? Lots of little things like this that really are best um, explored, particularly in the beginning with a qualified trauma psychologist, because it's not as black and white as your numb or your hypersensitive. Typically you can flip back and forth between the two and starting to feel sensations can send you, you know, flipping to the end of super, super sensitive because all of a sudden everything's flooding in. And likewise, when things flood in, a response to that can be to then shut down. And, you know, not to scare anyone, of course, like I think any awareness that you can bring to something like this and starting to work on things by yourself if you want to is good. But I think, you know, in a perfect world, it's really, really helpful to explore some of these things with a qualified psychologist if you feel like this aligns to you. But in talking about our conversation around 
Okay, if I want to be a more trauma-aware martial artist for my training partners, or I want to be a little bit more aware as a martial arts coach, or I myself have experienced trauma and I, I resonate with a lot of these things, but I had never known it was called interoception or this is why it was happening or this was the effect of it, you know. So I think that all of this information is really, really useful to have. I'd just like to point out that, you know, depending on where you're at, the person that you work with to improve on this may well be a psychologist. Okay, so that's it. With a training situation where you have someone who goes numb on you. So let's say you're a training partner. You're training and your training partner goes like completely spacey. Okay, let's say we're kickboxing and they just suddenly stop. Right, they put their hands down, they maybe slump to the floor, or like they're just standing there looking kind of dazed and confused. For somebody like this, it's really helpful to try to encourage some sort of movement. Okay, I really like things like, okay, can you see if you can wiggle your fingers and toes? You know, or can you see if you can um, tap your feet on the floor or can you have a look around the room and pick out, you know, a couple of points that you like or can you raise your eyebrows and then bring them down or depending if somebody's, you know, starting to wiggle their toes a bit more, like can you shake your body more? Can you shake your whole body? Can we do like a whole body animal shake? As soon as you start to encourage movement, the nervous system goes, oh, okay, movement is okay, and we're kind of moving away from this dissociated, numb kind of state, okay? And this is from someone freezing in addition to, to feeling nothing, right? So if, if it's just that in – and I shouldn't say just, but – without the presence of a freeze if it's that someone in training is saying like oh no I don't feel that oh no I don't feel that oh no I don't feel that then I think the response is just to normalize that and go did you know that's actually really really common like I heard I was listening to Georgia on the fight back podcast and she said heaps of people experience that it's super normal um if there are any sensations that you can feel focus on that as the positive and keep working on the things that you can feel and the other stuff will start to enter into your awareness. That's what I have seen in my classes is that when women start with one thing that they can feel, eventually they're like doing a hook and they can feel their shoulder muscle moving as they're doing the hook and they're like a child who has experienced movement for the first time. You know, that like real playful, beautiful sense of curiosity, like, oh my God, I can feel my shoulder. What? That is crazy. That starts to come back on board. It's just practicing with baby steps and focusing more on what you can feel than what you can't feel. Okay. On that, as well, interoception is completely neuroplastic. What that means is that the more you practice it, the better you get at it. And this is at every end of the spectrum. It's not just someone who has no issues with feeling their body, but doesn't regularly implement it and practice it, like the example I spoke about at the beginning of this episode regarding how reactive you are to someone saying something mean to you. But it can also be if you really have very little interoceptive ability at the moment and you know, in a class, you're feeling a lot of the time, like you don't really feel very much just by saying, 
well, okay. He's saying, you know, you'll feel your arm extend before the tap. Well, I don't feel anything, but I'm going to imagine that I can feel something. Every single time that you imagine that you feel the thing, you are strengthening that connection. The only reason why you don't feel anything is that your brain has uncoupled the connections that talk to you from body to brain. Neurons that wire apart, fire apart. And it's like the opposite of neurons that fire together, wire together. Okay, so if you don't use them because you don't do interoception, there's just like a little bit of a gap in the connection. And you can bring the connection back together every time you try and use the connection. I almost imagine it's like two wires getting a little bit closer and a little bit closer and a little bit closer every time that you imagine it until finally they touch together. And focusing on the things that you can feel, then focusing on the things that you can't, but imagining that you could is a really nice way to put them together. It's a good balance of your brain getting wins and then your brain trying things, making errors, and therefore being more neuroplastic, which I spoke about in a prior episode about making mistakes. Okay, so every time you practice interoception, you get better at it. And that is so empowering and so beautiful. So if you're working with someone who can't feel anything, one, if they're numb and they're not moving, start to encourage some movement with them. It can be as minimal as wiggling their fingers and toes and as maximal as doing a full body shape. You want to get them to start trying to move if they can. And, you know, don't command at them, like, move your fingers and toes. It's really nice to preface that by, can you wiggle your fingers and toes? Or would you like to wiggle your fingers and toes? Um, Because they're already feeling overwhelmed. Someone shouting commands at them is probably not that helpful, right? Okay, the next thing that you can do is if they can move and they're aware, but they just can't sense an area, is to say, well, what can you feel right now? Can you feel your butt on the floor? Yes, I can. Feel your feet on the floor? Yes, I can. Can you feel me extend your arm? No, I can't. Okay, no worries. Do you feel comfortable with me extending your arm even though you can't feel it? Yes, I do. Okay, every time I extend your arm, imagine what it would feel like to bring awareness to that section. Think about where that section is. Physically look at that area. Look at your arm. And you will get better at being able to sense it every time you practice that. Okay, so those are some steps for helping someone who is in a state where they're not experiencing a lot of interoception. If someone is experiencing an overwhelming amount of interoception, then that is the point where you want to try and calm their nervous system down. And so that might mean that they need to shake everything off a little bit more. So again, like shaking more can be helpful in that kind of situation to discharge everything. But it also might mean focusing on one interoceptive aspect at a time. So if everything's super overwhelming and like my skin is on fire and I'm like electrified and like I can't handle all of the sensation input coming in and it's really stressing me out, well, can I feel my feet on the floor? Okay, can you just feel your feet on the floor and focus your attention there? Can you notice if your left or your right foot is calling more of your attention? Maybe your left foot feels lighter. Maybe your right foot feels lighter. Maybe it's changing between the two. And bringing their awareness to one area like that, and it could be be your hands clasping together. You know, it could be 
that you take their hand and ask if they can feel the pressure of, of your hand, if, if you've got the kind of relationship where they're comfortable for you to make physical contact with them, but getting them to focus on one area that they can direct all of their interoceptive awareness to can help calm the nervous system in that kind of situation. Breathing can be useful too. For me, it's not my first go-to. I would rather focus on the feet or the hands or something like that because like I mentioned, breathing can be stressful. And I'm going to talk more about that in the webinar that I'm going to be running that I mentioned at the start of this episode. So again, check out the show notes for the link to register if that kind of thing interests you. Okay, so we've got interoceptive awareness, this awareness of what happens inside our body. It's a super useful practice for everyone, not just for improving your reactivity throughout the day, but also being aware that people that you interact with might either be on the very, very low end of interoceptive awareness. We talked about some strategies you can use to help them. They might be on the super sensitive to interoceptive end of the spectrum. And we talked about some strategies you can use to help them both as a training partner and as a coach, right? Those strategies are the same. You can come up to someone who's having a hard time and help them. If you are the coach, if you are a training partner, you're working one-on-one with someone, you are more likely to be there immediately as something is happening and you're more likely to have dialogue with the person that you're training with than the coach who's looking after probably 30 people in a class and so you can use the same strategy like I said if you're in either role for just day to day like I mentioned your decision making greatly improves when you can put space in between a stimulus Feeling what's happening inside your body, having an interoceptive awareness of what's happening in your body, and then choosing the thought. And the more you practice interoception, the better you get with that. Which brings me to my next point, okay, which why I love, 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 love interoception and including the body in as much things that we do, not just physically, as in we're kicking and punching, so obviously the body is doing that but also thinking about the role of the body in all of these things is that meditation is incredibly triggering for a lot of people. I'm going to say it again because I think this is such an important concept to grasp. Sitting with your eyes closed, concentrating on either nothing or breathing is incredibly stressful if the main thing that your brain is focused on is remembering stressful past events. Or if the breath reminds you of past events, which is not enough of a stimulus to distract you from thinking about those kind of things, right? Your eyes are closed, so there's no input from the rest of the world. There's no anchor. All you can think about is the things that have happened to you. Let's add a lack of interoceptive awareness. You maybe can't feel so much of your body. And then the only input that you're getting, the only information that you're focused on at that moment is stressful okay so meditation is wonderful it is not for everybody in the classic interpretation of what meditation is and what i mean by that is sitting with your eyes closed focused on either the breath or nothing or even listening to the sounds that are going on around you something like that okay that is the classic interpretation of meditation and it is problematic for a lot of people what i like to do with people as an alternative, or what I point out to people is that an alternative is to do a movement practice which uses the body as an anchor to the present rather than the 
unknown great blackness present, okay? Rather than trying to think nothing, think body. Practice switching your awareness between your feet. Practice noticing if I pull my arm across my shoulder in this kind of movement, right? If you're listening, I'm bringing my arm all the way across, then my other arm is hooking over my elbow and I'm pulling my arm across in a classic shoulder stretch that you might see people do before they, you know, gonna go for a run or something like that. Which I always think is hilarious. You see people like bring one arm across their body and then the other arm across their body to stretch their shoulders before they run. <laughs> anyway, um, just me. So when I go to do that, well, what do I feel? Do I feel a stretching sensation in my shoulder? Where in my shoulder do I feel that sensation? What if I lift my arm up? What if I bring my arm more down? What if I pull the stretch through more? What if I change the angle of my head, right? As I'm thinking all of these things, I'm noticing in real time how that changes the interoceptive feedback that I'm getting from my body, which means that all of my thoughts are about the present moment. The Some of the biggest benefits from meditation come from being present, from shutting down an area of the brain, which is known as the default mode network, which is responsible for rumination, right? And thinking rather than about what's going to happen later and rather than about what happened in the past, thinking just about what is happening right now. Again, Thinking just about, okay, stay present, stay present, stay present, invites a lot of space for thoughts to come flooding in. And that can be a useful practice, but it can also be an overwhelming practice. And so using the body as an anchor for the present moment is a wonderful alternative that gets a lot of the same results without as much of the trigger. Yay. Okay. And I love that in martial arts because martial arts are wonderfully engaging. It's very difficult to be rolling with someone in jiu-jitsu and at the same time thinking about what you're going to eat later because the activity requires all of your awareness. Same thing in sparring with kickboxing, right? It's very difficult to be thinking other things while someone's punching you in the face. You need to concentrate on that or you're going to get punched in the face, right? You're not going to block it. Similarly, when you're first starting kickboxing, punching and kicking can feel like it takes a lot of your mental energy because it's foreign. It's a new movement pattern. And so you have to concentrate. And again, that makes you stay really, really present and focused on what you're doing. What happens is as you become more and more advanced within these sports, it becomes more muscle memory, so-called muscle memory, right? Muscles don't have memories, but let's use the term muscle memory. Everyone knows what that means. And that gives your brain space to wander and think about other things. And that's where coming back to the body as an anchor is a useful practice, right? So this segues quite nicely into how do I apply interoception at the Fightback Project. So like I said, you can use interoception as a way to stay hooked in the present moment. And for a lot of people that have experienced trauma, that is something very difficult to do. And it is something that is incredibly beneficial because of all the people, they're the ones who need a rest from thinking about the things that happened in the past more than anyone, okay? So what we can do and what I do with my clients is at the beginning of class, we pick a couple of muscles based on some of the techniques that are going to feature in the class. And we try to see if we can bring our awareness to those muscles during stretching. So for example, if in the class we were going to learn a knee and a tip, so those are both kicks, 
And they both use many muscles, but let's focus our attention on gluteus maximus, the muscle in your butt, and your quadriceps muscles, the muscles in your thighs. Then we can do various stretches and activation drills to see if we can notice those muscles without having to multitask. So without standing up, so sitting on a chair, so you don't have to focus on balance at the same time, without having to focus on kicking at the same time, just holding a stretch or moving through a stretch if movement feels safer for you, and noticing how that shows up in the body. Saving that as a blueprint and going, okay, I can remember what it felt like to stretch my glute when we did that specific glute stretch. Therefore, I have an awareness of where my glutes are. I'm going to keep that in the back of my mind to try and remember it. And then when we go to kick, well, now I'm going to think again. Okay, I remember where my glute was from the stretch. Can I feel it while I'm kicking? Yes or no? Maybe not. That's totally fine if we're starting out, right? And as we keep practicing and keep practicing, maybe feel it a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and you increase this interoceptive muscle, so-called again, right? There's no interoceptive muscle, but you increase your capacity to interocept every time that you practice doing it. Every single time you ask, where are my glutes? Where are my thighs? Where are my hip flexors? Where are blah, 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 this muscle, this muscle, this muscle, where's the floor, right? Then we go through practicing intervals where while our intensity is going up, now we're still trying to see, well, can I feel my glutes also while my heart rate's going up and I'm feeling, you know, the physiological effects of exercise. Then we look at, can I bring my heart rate back down? And does part of that look like interocepting? Do I sense where my body is? Am I tapping my floor, uh, the floor, probably my floor if I own the house? Um, you know, am I touching my shirt? Do I feel the texture of the t-shirt that I'm wearing compared to the texture of the leggings that I'm wearing? All of these little interoceptive cues. And then at the end of class, we stretch again and we use that time to reflect on how it felt to use those muscles and to finally practice as we come towards the end of class. And so our brain's getting ready to do what brains like to do, which is to race off into the rest of the day and start planning to keep coming back to where can I feel this final stretch? You know, can I still feel my hip flexor while I'm stretching it? Can I still feel my glute? And then noticing when the brain goes off to thinking about planning and saying, that's okay, thank you, brain. I know you like planning. Let's come back to feeling the stretch again. And this is a very similar premise as what you'll see in trauma-sensitive yoga classes, is using the body as an anchor rather than just the present as an anchor to stay present. And that, for me, is such a beautiful thing because I think it makes meditation as a concept so much more accessible to other people. Right, Regardless of whether it's if you've experienced trauma and that's the reason you don't like meditation or you're a, I guess, quote unquote, hyperactive person, right? You like movement as opposed to stillness. It's still super beneficial for your brain to enter into these flow states. That's one part of martial arts, but also just to be really present, not necessarily in flow, right? But being super aware of your body and therefore being in the present moment, even if you keep flicking back to past and future, coming back to the present as an anchor is a practice that is so beneficial for so many reasons that I'm not going to list out past 
you know, the scope of this episode because we're just talking about interoception. But I think the benefits of meditation and being present are quite well known. And if anyone would like me to do an episode about being present and how that relates to trauma and how that relates to martial arts in more detail, let me know. And I will certainly do an episode about that if you think it would be useful. So in summary, today I spoke pretty fast. Please also let me know if I speak too fast for you to follow, but we spoke about interoception. So we spoke about how you can sense your body, feel it in space, feel the temperature, feel chemical changes. You get all of this information to your body and your brain sometimes chooses to bring it to your awareness. How often it does that depends on how practiced you are at doing interoception, as well as how urgent it is for you to focus on these internal sensations, like the example of feeling really hungry. We spoke about tools that you can use if someone that you are with as a training partner or as a student of yours, if you're a coach, is either on the end of hypoarousal, low arousal, where their nervous system is shut down, they're kind of numb, they're frozen, and what to do when that is the first wall that you're experiencing and also how to help somebody and how to talk to them. If they're telling you things like my body is numb, I don't feel anything or I don't feel that. We also spoke about the other end of the spectrum where someone's getting too much information from interoception and they're feeling overwhelmed by that and tools that you can use to help regulate their nervous system and calm them back down. We spoke about how it's useful to learn interoception for everybody because it improves your decision-making and your reactivity to events day-to-day in life. We spoke about why I think that interoception is such an important thing for everyone to be aware of, not just for the reasons that I spoke about, but also for its capacity to help us use the body as an anchor for meditation rather than traditional meditation practices, as those are not necessarily accessible to everyone. I spoke about how I do that or some of how I do that at the Fight Back Project. And again, I want to remind you that I have got an event coming up. It's a free webinar. So if you want to come along and learn from me in more detail how to help trauma survivors in martial arts, you can check out the show notes and the link to that will have much more information about it. Okay. If there are any other themes that you would like from me in these standalone episodes that I have been trialing, please let me know. Please let me know if you'd like this format of me talking at the camera and any other feedback that you have is so, so, so welcome. I love you all and I'll talk soon. Have you thought of something to be grateful for today? What was it? I am grateful for the amazing women that train with me at the Fight Back Project. I'm grateful for Nari and the beautiful song Shape Me heard at the beginning and end of every episode. And I'm grateful for you for listening to this show and helping martial arts keep saving lives. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you'd like to leave me a review to help more people find the show, that's a bonus. shapes me but me don't
gotta tell you what my name is, I don't gotta explain it. Walk in the room, hear a boom erupting like I'm famous. I'm here shedding shells, I'm shameless. I fear nothing, no complacence. Walk to many tight ropes with no hope, so I became this poster they hold over all the heads of trauma holders. You don't need to know my history, I move boulders. Atlas shrug, cause I lifted the weight above his shoulders. No pretense of defense, move first like chess soldiers. This goes deeper than empowerment, cause huh, I'm the one to power it. Physical meets mental challenge me to keep devouring. If I can't change the scenery, at least I change perspectives. No longer isolated, but elevated and selective. Darkest places become beautiful spaces. This is where rage meets patience. Meets power meets gracious. Meets, we're so glad you came in. The feeling is contagious. When you the walking impact of intended bad intentions. When you the manifesting of collecting all they tensions. You the soul and body hold it all and still remember. But I'm a work in progress, testament to all contenders. Forgot what it was like to have control over self. Forgot what it was like to be the one in charge. Forgot in my reflection, I can see all my wealth. Forgot that with my bare hands, I break all these bars, barriers, and obstacles. They can't cage me, they can't chronicle all my experiences and reduce them to appearances. When I was truly beaten, gave myself clearances to fall down, mess up, and get myself back up. I'm not looking for clovers, cause I don't believe in luck. Damn, you were badass, I heard them say it clearly. Why, thank you very much, I know now I'm not weary of what's next for me. Cause I expect to see growth like I was planted, watered, fed, and bloomed to be. The positivity and accountability. Knowing they won't step if I'm the agent of my agency. I think I found my voice again, huh? I think I found my voice again, huh? I'm not sorry, I'm not sorry, you're the end where I begin. Boundaries, I know them well. Take a breath and meditate. Who is she? I know her well. Now I get to open gates. One, two, one, two. I don't need your permission. And if you get uncomfortable, then use your intuition to know that I won't stay where respect is ever missing. And everything I do, that's me making decisions. It's truly underrated, the value of self-worth. Forgot that I was rich from the moment of my birth. A penny for my thoughts, no really, you can't afford it. You cannot buy my story, rewrite it, hold record it. You cannot buy my story, rewrite it, hold record it, huh?